Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. I am here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for stepping in to our show. Uh, We want to tell you, number one, how to get plugged in with us. You can go to thehousinghour.com. That's where our treasure trove of information is. You can share the show with friends, family. Uh, We also are on the the Facebook, thefacebook.com slash thehousinghour, as well as Twitter at thehousinghour. And Mark is our Pinterest star. You can find him also on Pinterest. We'd love for you to check him out. He's a great pinner. And is that one of your resolutions for this year to do more pinning? To, yeah, to actually open it up and try it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I've had people complain. That I try to go to Mark's Pinterest page. And <laughs> it's not there. It's not. Yeah. So anyway, um, we are in a new year. We have 2020 vision. And we decided, and, and rightfully so, it's the time of year where we would do that, is we invited one of our favorite guests back in. We have with us in studio, MIG Studios, Yvonne Kautz. How are you today? doing absolutely wonderful. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. We really appreciate you coming in. And um, Yvonne owns uh, a, a great organization. Is it called an organization? I guess it's a company. Um, Five Star Holdings, is that the name of it, right? That is correct. And you do a variety of things. You offer a variety of different services, um, but it's all centered around taxes, right? Your your whole idea of what you do is to provide you know, assistance to people with their federal income tax, state income tax, whatever it is that they need, right? Exactly right. So Mm -hmm. uh, tax returns, as well as small business services, um, including QuickBooks and payroll, and also dealing with state taxation of businesses. Mm -hmm. And uh, one subject I love is tax resolution, Mm -hmm. solving really big tax problems with the IRS, or it could be with the state. Um, as far as, you know, something hanging over someone's head, uh, as far as they owe the IRS, they owe federal taxes, or they owe the state, and um, <clears throat> they're not able to move forward from that. You know, what's interesting is that you say tax resolutions, which is which is very, very important, and, and you actually had a story that you can share in a minute, at least some of the, the um, subject matter of, of why that prevented them from going forward with something they wanted to do. But tax resolutions, you also think about New Year's resolutions. I know it's unrelated completely, but, you know, what you provided to us in the past was so helpful and it was so user-friendly and it was very um, thorough and it helped us and it helped me, especially looking back over the over the last couple of years, when things have changed, when things changed on the federal, whenever, you know, Trump's tax plan was brought in and we had all kinds of questions about that and Yvonne really helped us to unpack that and also came on site as well and was able to help provide um, some clarity, I guess, a, around that. And, and so with this tax resolution thing, you, you took, I guess, a class or something to learn. You probably knew most of it, but you, you needed to get some insight into the specifics, right, that you were, what you were teaching and learning. Absolutely. There's a, um, a special program through the National Tax Practice Institute uh, that is on resolution, and I've participated for about two and a half years. So it's a battery of uh, classes and all kinds of really interesting things to learn the maze of the IRS and how to resolve 
big tax issues. So large balances due, uh, folks who haven't filed in 21 years, oh. you know, these types of situations where uh, it's holding them back from being the best version of themselves as far as it's hanging over their head like a dark cloud. And I think the work is absolutely so um it's amazing to be a part of that, to resolve such a big issue and help someone close that chapter, start fresh, move forward, uh, as well as develop new habits, you know, as far as what led to the tax problem to begin with, as far mm-hmm. as helping them figure that out, correct the issue and get them going on a forward path because they can then sleep at night knowing hey, the IRS isn't going to come take my house. What a burden. It is a burden. And it's emotional because I've met a lot of these people that have come through my office as well. And it's it's emotionally draining for them. And I can tell it's taken an emotional toll and a toll on their marriage. So do you uh, get any counseling about how to counsel? I mean, emotionally? Yeah. As far as I'm, I'm an emotional person to begin I with. Know, you'd <laughs> you be a good person. To who knows that. me well? <laughs> I'm definitely wear my heart on my sleeve, and um, that's a big part that led me to uh, do this program in tax resolution. And I'm now a fellow of the National Practice uh, Tax Practice Institute for it. So uh, I think the emotional part is already there for me, but more so my job is to counsel about what the options are with the IRS to resolve these tax issues. Every single case is unique, whether returns need to be filed or they don't, or uh, we have a large balance due, we've got to find an option to clear that up. You know, looking at all the insides of that and knowing my clients very well, getting to know them very well in how to best assist them with what I have been trained to do uh, as far as those resolutions. Well, when you think about this type of situation, normally it's a big deal. Um, The IRS might or might not think it's a big deal, but for sure, regardless, it's a big deal to the person. And a lot of times what I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the reasons that people avoid tackling these problems is because of the fear that's associated with the outcome, right? So they allow for the fear, which is false evidence appearing real. That's what that stands for. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but they allow the fear of what could happen to really prevent them from getting to the hope, which is on the other side. And I mean, I don't know, do they, to your point, Mark, I mean, for a lot of people, just not knowing where to begin is the biggest problem of not starting and then not knowing what the outcome is going to be. How do you tackle that? When Shame you first, and embarrassment too? Yeah. I think it's more so about even taking that first step to mm. talk to a qualified professional like mm-hmm. myself. I think even just talking about it, I see relief on people's faces because they don't know what to expect. They think the absolute worst. And when they receive IRS mail, they don't know what to do about it. So oftentimes those letters are put in a drawer or a folder and, you know, we'll get to it at some point mm. or, you know, maybe the IRS will forget about it mm. and they mm. won't. They got a long memory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, they won't come to pursue it. And yeah. so I think just even 
getting a dialogue going to talk with someone, you know, who's qualified to help them in tax resolution uh, is a very big deal because for many people, it is something that is buried and they don't necessarily do something about it until it prevents, you know, a goal or something they would like to do or they want to retire or Mm -hmm. they want to get a home Mm -hmm. or they want uh, to uh, look at lots of other options, you know, buying a business or selling the business, or maybe it's a piece of property and the IRS has put a uh, lien on that property and they can't sell it because of the IRS lien. And it's usually something along that order that it's preventing a next step in a person's life because they, they need to resolve the tax issue. And for those of, of you that are out there listening and maybe you have something like this, listen to the rest of the show because I think we'll unpack some of the things that you might be interested in learning about. And we only have about two minutes left in this segment. But um, the other thing I was thinking about was, you know, some people just straight up think if I bring this to people's attention, I'm going to go to jail or something like that. They think that. And, and I mean, the, the fact is, I, I, I don't know the legal ramifications Um, I don't know that there is a debtor's prison or whatever. I mean, I don't know the rules, Um, but I do know that um, people get fearful about getting their checks garnished. They don't have, you know, I don't have enough money to make it as it is. You want me to go and settle this and then they're going to take more money. I mean, there's all of this that gets, you know, put into one's thought process and there's just so much entanglement and they don't, they don't have the right tools to get out of the problem you know there's tools that you can use and that's what I think Yvonne would be able to assist with is you know anytime you go into something that is unknown you need to have somebody that's walked through that with other people on the front end so that you can know okay they've been down this journey before they've been on this journey and they know just which ways to go which ways not to go and which ways are not worth pursuing or whatever that might be and 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 for me and I'm thinking in terms of the, not just the resolution, but then also the resolution of the year, you know, resolving it can also bring with it some resolutions to what you want to do going forward. How do you want to act differently in your financial situation? How do you want to be proactive with um, how you go about doing your taxes? Um, and, you know, for those out there who are paid, you know, a 10, you know, not a 1040, but self-employed folks, you know, it can become very burdensome for them. So we're going to tackle all of this and we just appreciate you coming in so much. We've missed you. Love being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And this is an adventure that we're all on together. Taxes can become burdensome. We want to make it easy for you. Continue with us right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. I am here with Mark Griffith, executive producer and co-host, as as well as Yvonne Kautz. Um, She is with Five Star Holdings, and we certainly appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule to come in and uh, talk with us and hopefully share some very important information that might help you in your um, tax season that's coming. Um, Maybe you have just received your W-2s and all of that in the last couple of weeks, and 
you're worried because you know that you also have this other other item to resolve. So I want to ask this question, um, Yvonne. And I mean, it could be a self-employed person. It could be a non-self-employed person. It doesn't really matter because you still have to every year if you are if you're receiving income. If you don't receive income technically that year, you don't have to file a tax return or you do? There's a minimum of income okay. that requires you to file a return. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Is it different for different states or different? Is it just one? No, like? federally. Well, state-wise, yes. There can be different amounts. Uh-huh. Like in Pennsylvania, it's a very small amount that you earn there. Uh-huh. If I'm remembering correctly, I think it's $36. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. If you make $36 within the state of Pennsylvania, you need to file a state return. Holy cow. Well, uh, yeah, because I mean, some people don't think this through. And it could be that you, and this is not exactly tax resolutions, but let's say that you bet online, as an example. I know, Mark, you do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I know that in Tennessee, you know, I'm no, I'm no legal scholar, but I'm pretty sure that Tennessee is one of the few states that you can legally bet online. You might want to Google that to oh, be sure. Yeah, right. But regardless of that, people may or may not, they, you know, make a little extra money, right? And they're fine. I mean, the, the, the online company is going to f- send you a 1099, Right. Correct. So the go, the IRS is fully aware that you've made this income. Now they could probably do a control F and say everybody that hasn't, you know, and then send out a scary letter to you. Yes, you know, the IRS is likely if you didn't if you got a ten ninety nine for multiple incomes and you didn't include that on your ten forty, the IRS is not going to come knocking April sixteenth and say, nope, you didn't file those ten ninety nines. Why is that? Why don't they just deny it? right then and there. The interesting thing is a little bit of trivia for you is that when you file an income tax return in this country during tax season, all of your paperwork forms, that is tax forms, are not on file with the IRS yet. Mm. We haven't got to that point in in our modern sophisticated technology. No, and the, the main issue is when those forms are due to the IRS. So all employers uh, and also those cutting 1099s for their uh, independent contractor help, Mm -hmm. those are due. Or their gamblers. Yes. (laughs) Those are due to the IRS uh, on January 31st. So they are e-filed as far as the person that or the company that produces that W-2, they have to send it to the IRS. Mm -hmm. But some that may be smaller Perhaps they're not able to e-file their 1099s, so they mail them in. They've got to be scanned and processed. All the W-2s, if they're not filed directly uh, with the IRS, uh, or even if they are, everything routes through Social Security first as far as W-2 income. All those earnings have to go on record on your Social Security earnings statement Mm -hmm. before they go to the IRS. And then there's other dates when other forms are due, uh, you know, for 1099Bs, which is all of your investment income, like from a brokerage account Mm -hmm. or things like that. Those have a later due date than January 31st as far as when they're issued and then sent to the IRS. So you, I mean, you should maybe, you know, because you have till April 15th. You have some people that as soon as they get their W-2 or an, what they think is enough to file because they're ready for that 
you know, return to come because they want to, I mean, well, some people want to spend it or they owe money or they want to use it for Disney or whatever the case is. Um, they are certainly in some cases not using it to resolve their other tax issues um, because we're humans. We just make those kind of decisions. I mean, it's not like the end of the world in terms of, you know, don't beat yourself up. I mean, people just make mistakes, right? But in terms of, you know, nobody is standing over you as a taxpayer in the United States of America. And if you don't, if you don't fill out your 1040 correctly, nobody's standing over you right at that time and saying, Oh, you're not doing that right. They're not, you could put pretty much anything you want in there. And that's not, you know, probably the best case scenario for most people, because I mean, let's face it. Most people don't know the complexities of our tax code. It's very complicated. And, you know, the H&R blocks and the whatevers, you, you need more than that. If you're, if you have even the, the littlest bit of complexity, which for me, you know, mine's very complex, but for, for the general person, it can get way more complex than that. But, but back to my question, I hope I'm not too far off topic because Mark's giving me the eye over here a little bit. But um, as far as it just saying, sorry, you can't file that, that, that doesn't happen, right? And is that where some of the problems come because they don't, they don't remember to do certain things? I think it's more of an issue of the tax document finding you. So let's say that uh, you have regular W-2, but you took an extra job during Christmas to make mm. some extra money, or you were an Uber driver for three or four months to you know, put together uh, vacation money, mm-hmm. or uh, let's say you had that gambling win over at, you know, Harris and Cherokee. So (laughs) subsequently, uh, the thing is, is you may have filled out that W-9 form uh, at Harris, Cherokee, Mm -hmm. and you moved. Right. So now you've lost the tax document so we don't really remember the $1,000 that we won at the slots. So it just goes in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I have my W-2. I'm ready to file. The interesting thing is the IRS catches up with everything about May or June of each year. Mm-hmm. And that's when they begin issuing tax letters mm. stating you have missing income Ooh. that we have on file for you. That's not on your return. So they begin that process of matching. And what's interesting is that is done without human intervention whatsoever. The computer takes all of the tax documents with your social security number on them for that tax year, and they match it up to the return that you filed. Uh If something is missing, you receive a CP2000 notice that says CP three two thousand. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> no CP two thousand. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, you end up and getting a notice. But that then is your alert to, you know, like you mentioned. I mean, sometimes it just slips your mind. You went to Harrah's on a weekend with the ladies, or you went on a, mi- a guy's trip, and it just slipped your mind that you won ten thousand dollars. I mean, you know, or whatever. Good. I mean, um, but they give you an opportunity to make it right. But there's nobody sitting over you at the mailbox saying, okay, let's go inside and let's do this. You still have to do it. The interesting thing is that there is a perjury statement Mm. at the bottom of each tax return that Mm. when you are e-filing or signing it, Mm -hmm. you are stating that that return includes 
all income items that you are aware of. Mm-hmm. But so, it, it depends on what the definition of the word aware is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I wasn't aware, but I wasn't fully awake at the moment when <laughs> I made that money. If I met Harris, maybe I'm drinking and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. That could be the case, but the bottom well, line comes down yeah. to Uncle Sugar knows yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> so subsequently, it. that's going to find yeah. you. An IRS right. letter is going to come out a year or two later. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you, you know, with resolution, and this would be one of them that you'd have to help somebody mm-hmm. resolve. But what what is like the number one mistake that people make that you that finds themselves needing resolution? I mean, is it all self-employed people or is no. Does it, what, no. what's the number one thing would you say? You'll love this. Okay. Uh, Usually it is an errant W-2 as far as uh, the W-2 never found you. You worked for two weeks at Christmas. You moved. You never got that W-2. Most W-2s are, in fact, electronically available to you. So you can go into a portal and pull it you know, print it off and use it for your tax returns. But what if you worked at, you know, Walmart for two weeks, Mm -hmm. you're no longer an active employee. You don't have access to the uh, portal to actually get that W-2. So you're relying on the one to come in the mail. It doesn't come in the mail because you moved. Mm -hmm. And that could be five or $600 potentially, depending on what your tax rate is. And I mean, the IRS is going to send out letters on that. I mean, yes, exactly. And the, one of the other big ones I see is uh, retirement distributions, like mm-hmm. an early distribution from a 401k or IRA. Uh, and uh, also the one you'll love is banking interest. Mm-hmm. If banking interest yeah, is over $10, it has to be on your return. Right. Oh, so, well, over $10. Over $10. Okay. So your bank gave you, you know, a $50 bonus for uh, a small account that you opened. But or they said that like was that. free. Oh, they said that never was free. a free lunch when it comes yeah. to the IRS. No, that's so true. Well, this is uh, very insightful. We have in studio with us Yvonne Kautz talking to us about uh, tax resolution. Don't confuse that with New Year's resolution. But we will continue right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Well, welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am here with my executive producer, co-host extraordinaire, Mark Griffith. Just back from the Caribbean and uh, had an earthquake while I was in Puerto Rico, I understand. Is that true? There was an earthquake. What are you doing with your mic over there? I don't know. Something's happening. It's okay. I still have Yvonne here. Yvonne, you didn't go to Puerto Rico, did you? No, I did not. No. Well, it's a beautiful area. And um, Mark, try your mic again. I want to test test. Okay, he's back. He's back, folks. Don't call into the show. It's okay. We got him here. Um, but we're talking about something that I think that really piques the interest of a lot of people. Like if we make the title of this show something like, I mean, I'm, we're not going to do that. But you know, people see. Do you have a tax lien against you or, or how to, how to, um, how to resolve a tax lien, you know, something like that, because I've had it happen personally when I did mortgages on a daily basis where I would all of a sudden get our, our, um, our, our, I guess information from the attorney when they would do a tax search 
and we would have a variety of issues. But one of them that could come up is a tax lien, which will go, which is on your credit. I mean, now I think now it's not anymore. I can't remember. There was something that came out in the last year about that. But regardless, we'll find that out. A tax lien, you can't close a mortgage loan when somebody's got a big tax lien. Now, I think you can, if they've resolved it and they've made a payment plan with the IRS, that you can count that against them in their DTIs or whatever, you know. Um, but tell me the other, other than the ones that we've talked about, and you can comment on that certainly, but other than the ones that we've talked about, the 1099, the W-2 gone missing, your weekend Harrah's, that type of thing, what are some of the other tax resolutions that you're you're going to be assisting with and are, and are assisting with? Oh, it's a wonderful list uh-huh. of all kinds of things, which at the risk of sounding extremely weird, I love. Mm-hmm to do tax resolution because it helps people uh, in a very, very big way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love figuring out the complexities of a case and what all needs to be done. Uh, So I rather enjoy it. At, mm-hmm. Again, at the risk of sounding weird, mm-hmm. but uh, different, Not at all. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> different types of resolution. Uh, it could be uh, one of the biggest is not filing returns. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just one year and that turns into five and that yeah. turns into 10 and that turns into 15 right. or 20. Uh, and there's big issues with that because then the IRS has tax forms on file for you and they're going to substitute file a return um, called an SFR. So, and that return, let's say you're self-employed and you have deductions against that income. Uh, so it's all filed without that. And they go ahead and declare that liability based upon the documents that they do have. Oh, my heavens. Uh, so if you didn't file for 10 years, you're getting no deductions because you've provided Uncle Sugar with nothing. Exactly. Exactly. The, the number one thing that you can do with any tax resolution issue, first of all, seek out a professional uh, like myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, second uh, is communicate with the IRS. When we don't talk with them is when their procedures go into effect and they will substitute uh, you know, a filing for you, uh, or assess a balance, uh, things like that. So mm-hmm. very important. So and non-filing is big. And they have the power to garnish your wages, even without your approval, right? When you do not respond, right? they have the opportunity to contact your employer mm-hmm. and say, we have this amount of tax due and we need to garnish wages. Right. So when we don't communicate with them, that's when we have issues that can mount up into a very big, very big situation. Yeah. It's not, it's not as if you are turning in your United way form and saying, I'd like to give $50 a month. No, no sugar. No, (laughs) this is coming out. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I don't understand. One of the things Kevin mentioned, and it just dawned on me, the tax, when you have a tax lien, what you do, and I hear on television, sometimes there's tax settlements, you know, 25 cents on the dollar. I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Do you, is that part of what we're talking about that you do, or is that something different? What they're mostly discussing there is an offer in compromise where you uh, say to the IRS, okay, my tax balance due is 50,000 and I would like to settle it for $5,000. What, unfortunately, those ads are not disclosing is that an OIC doesn't fit every single taxpayer 
and that case. What does OIC stand for? Offer and compromise. Okay. Gotcha. So uh, it's a you know, you didn't blanket. know that, Mark. You there didn't. We go. Oh, she I said see. it, but I, did. I got lost. <laughs> okay, because you shook your head like offer and compromise. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, but uh, uh, when you're looking at that, saying, "Oh, that would work for me," no, the stipulations are very strict. It is a very formulaic. Uh, uh, resolution option that we have to do all the math to see if you qualify for it. It's interesting. The IRS has several resolution options, and it is a matter of determining, looking at the IRS records, looking at your financials, looking at returns, and then figuring out the best option that actually fits your case. But that's, you do this. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Is because take a very close look at that. Because it's not like Monty Hall, let's make a deal. You know, all right, well, we no, want to no, we, we pay 50000 Anybody want to go to door number two? You might get sixty. I mean, it's not like that. That's not, not how That's not how it works. So if your income, the IRS is going, um, you said the formula, for instance, they're going to look at what your reportable income is. They're, they may even go to the extent of documenting, you know, here's, here's what you make in investments. Here's what you make in salary. Here's what, I mean, that's all their business when you owe them a chunk of change, right? Exactly. So they're going to determine, okay, here's your liabilities. Here's how much you make. And here's how much you have to pay this, 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 and this. And there's a formula and they're going to say, well, you know, you want to pay just 50, you want to settle it for 5,000. Well, you owe us 50,000. You're making 200,000. You're outgoing live. You still have a thousand dollars a month extra income. You're trying to tell, why would we settle for, I mean, is it that kind of? Exactly. Yeah. You have to crunch all those numbers Mm -hmm. and then look to see what resolution option you technically qualify for. If you have disposable income uh, at the end of the line, an offer and compromise is not going to suit you because you could instead enter into a payment plan Mm -hmm. uh, that would fit your specific parameters, Mm -hmm. the income, your monthly living expenses, and then that disposable amount. Uh, So they look at everything very, very closely. And again, it's very based on formulas and individualistic characteristics and circumstances. And we've seen uh, people Mm self-employed that have had financial trouble in their business, maybe lost their business. They got back on their feet, married couple. Mm -hmm. But then in the resolution of trying to solve some of those tax consequences of that business, not paying, going bad or whatever, I've, I've heard some resolution where the wife wasn't responsible and, and was able to get separated somehow from that tax. That was a caused from the business. Does that make sense? Yes. So it didn't affect the family as much? What it is, is when a a return is filed jointly with uh, two spouses on it, both spouses are then, uh, when you sign that return, are liable for that tax liability. So if in fact there was a spouse not associated with the business or the tax debt that was technically, they they should look at that. Definitely. It all comes down to numbers, whether that makes sense, but there is relief out there uh, that the IRS calls innocent spouse. Yes. That's what it was. That the spouse says, this is not my debt. I did not. There, there are cases where uh, returns are filed and the spouse has never seen them. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't sign 
for that return. They don't know anything about it, and one spouse handles it. Oh, and I and I can't even imagine the complexity if you add if a divorce couple were to come and they had right. prior prior liabilities to the IRS, and now they're entangled in this additional litigation or whatever you might call it. And, you know, the husband is saying to himself, you know, about the innocent, whatever. She's not that innocent. You remember the song by Britney Spears? (laughs) So you, you have a whole other complex bunch of complexities with that, I bet. Exactly. You have to look at every single case individually and objectively. Because the objective is... Did I just quote Britney Spears on this show? I apologize. Yes, you did. I'm very sorry. The, the mission is... I'm sorry. The whole mission <laughs> is with resolution is you've got to find what fits the exact situation. Yeah, uh, right. And there are many factors to that. Married or not, business or not, self-employed, not, mm-hmm. uh, kids or not. You know, there's a lot to it that mm-hmm. has to be examined very, right. very intricately. Yeah. And... and you know, back to what Mark was saying, and we can tackle this in the last segment as well, but when a husband and a wife, we do have situations where we need to take one of the people off of the loan because they just might not fit the parameters of the loan that we're trying to do. And that's completely legitimate. It happens frequently and that's okay. As long as the person who you do keep on there still can, um, reasonably qualify for the loan, that's, that's acceptable. And, and we see that, um, all the time. So anyway, we have a great show that we're doing here with, uh, with Yvonne Kautz, uh, from Five Star Holdings. We're talking about, uh, tax resolutions and we're going to continue that conversation with her right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray, your host. I'm here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Housing Hour. We have one of our most favorite guests today with us, the tax cat herself, Yvonne Kautz, with us from Five Star Holdings. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, so far, we've really learned a lot. It's all kinds of fun when right. you're talking taxes. Exactly. I would have maybe um, liked a nickname like Aunt Sugar. That could have been, <laughs> rather than the tax cat, we could have been. Uh, anyway. I don't know. Oh, too funny. So. Yeah, but it's good <laughs> stuff. Um, anyway, we're talking about tax resolutions and um, some of the tax resolutions that you may see come up in your time um, filing taxes. And we, we talked about, and this is something I don't want to be, want to have overlooked, but we talked about those situations where maybe someone has not filed a 1040 or you're self-employed rather, let's say that self-employed and the IRS is automatically doing an, an what was it? S S V S SFR. SFR, which is basically a filing without any deductions. So you might legally have the ability to deduct, but because you decided you didn't want to file or you forgot to file legitimately, then they're assigning a a tax rate based upon whatever circumstance that they, I mean, there is no communication. So they're just assuming the worst in terms of the, maybe the worst tax. I don't know how they do that, but as a person who comes in, they haven't filed for 15 years, then your job or not your job, but your sort of um, important role is to determine, do we have the documentation going back? And can we, can we now file for the last 15 years 
to see if we can make up some of the difference. How is your records? Have you kept records of this? Can, can you manufacture the records? I don't mean manufacture. I mean like manufacture, like go find them, rebuild them, rebuild them. Um, you know, isn't that a, and, and so I want you to answer that in my, on the right track there. And then also we want to talk about some other resolutions as well. Indeed. Uh, so the good news with regard to the actual tax documents, the IRS has all of those on file. Uh, so we're able to order what we call transcripts oh, and yeah. actually get uh, all of your tax documents. And it could be that, you know, you had the W-2 on the return. They have that, but they have the 1099-G from Harris in Cherokee. And we need to get that added on and do an amended return to include it. Uh, but as far as businesses, yes, we can work off of bank statements receipts that you may have tucked away in a file or a bag somewhere uh, where all of those expenses could then be proven and go on to an accurately filed return. Now, we talked about audits. Um, is there a statute of limitations on tax returns? Yes, it's three years okay. as far as so I can talk freely. IRS, IRS, <laughs> IRS I'm review. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, I'm truly kidding. Uh, but in all seriousness, you file. You, you have a home office, right? So you take your square footage of your home. You assign a value to that. You have income uh, from other sources or whatever. But then you also have an interest deduction. You have, uh, you know, business expenses and so forth. Whatever the things are that you are doing, there's a formula or some kind of, you know, um, algorithm that the IRS is like, ooh, that doesn't look right. Or that, that's spiking really high. We need, to, we need to put a pin in that one. Sometimes you get audited, right? It happens. Now, Mark, I know you've had three or four of these. I'm kidding. I'm only joking. When I was young. <laughs> no, <When> I- <laughs> he hasn't. I'm kidding. But it's, it's listen, don't feel guilty about having an audit, okay? These things do happen. And the government does give you an opportunity to, I guess for lack of a better word, pro- prove your case, right? So if exactly. somebody gets that letter in the mail, is that a resolution or the audit itself? Or is the result of the audit the resolution? Or is it both? Uh, it's definitely a tax resolution item uh, um, as far as audit uh, because... Uh, I would say one of the biggest issues um, with audit is that the taxpayer chooses to represent themselves mm-hmm. and they uh, in front of the IRS and uh, instead of having a licensed professional to do that. And subsequently, they come unprepared. They're not aware of uh, the IRS rules and regulations and what exactly they're going to uh, be looking for in the audit. And uh, they may have brought the wrong records. They may have left out some information that they felt was not important, but the IRS auditor does. Mm -hmm. So uh, subsequently, it's definitely a resolution item uh, that licensed professionals, uh, which is um, tax attorneys, CPAs, and EAs like me, uh, who have that license to represent you uh, in front of the IRS on an audit matter. Well, and also we've always talked about this, Mark, is if you're going to represent yourself, just even as a realtor, I mean, let's say that you're buying a property and you think you know everything about real estate, 
you know, even yourself who was a former realtor, you still hire a realtor because that's not something you do every day, right? My father always taught me to hire and get work with people smarter than you. Exactly. Well, always. Right. In your case, that would be a, a pretty big population. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't know why. It's a large population. <laughs> it's, it's messed with Mark Day. I'm kidding. But I mess with them because I love them. But, but in all seriousness, in this situation, when, I mean, you want to talk about complexity. You know, you're going in trying to represent yourself with the IRS. Not a good idea. Um, so you need to seek out assistance and, and, and help. And that's what you provide, right? Exactly. So, and you do it from all the, all of the, the, nece- the necessary investigating of the records. I mean, what you provide is a full gamut of, of services related to this, right? And are you, I mean, for those out there that are wondering, you know, do you, do you get just paid like a commission or is it, is it based on the work that you have to do or how does that look? What does that look like? I actually have flat fee packages Mm -hmm. based upon the type of resolution option that we need uh, to pursue Mm, for an individual case. Right. Uh, So, um, and you work for them. You don't work. You're not like a. you're not working for the IRS. You're no. working for the person that's hired you. That's exactly correct. So the yeah. client engages me to represent them in front of the IRS with regard to their case. Now, you know how I'm just asking the questions that I know that people will be thinking. Do you have a, uh, you know, attorney client privilege is what I'm thinking of, but where they can just like tell you everything and just say, hey, here's what I got. You know, it, it doesn't, this is everything, you know, without the worry that you're going to say, oh, you did this and that, you know, is there any protection they have? Licensed tax professionals are bound by non-disclosure. So we are not allowed to disclose anything about you at any time to anyone. Even if subpoenaed or probably subpoena would be the... The only difference is is, uh, we cannot engage when it is a matter of criminal Mm. activity. And at that point, you need a certain type of tax attorney uh, to so assist. So, for criminals with that. out there, if you're engaged in criminal activity, I'm just kidding. Yeah, a little mafia work in here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's good to know for people who are, you know, they're, they're, they didn't do anything criminal, but they, they just don't know what kind of mess. The, and, and maybe it's a spouse that their husband. Or, you know, God forbid, and I don't know how this works, but they are a widow and they don't know what happened over the past 10 years in this business that their husband ran, but they find out that it was not good. You know, then I don't know who's liable for that. I mean, there's just a lot of different complexities. That can, can it be, can you have or commit a crime and not really understand that you did? I mean, yeah. you mentioned it. Is, have you seen anything like that? Where That's they, a loaded question. Well, I'll, I'll give one example, and that is that the IRS is paying very close attention to cryptocurrency mm. these days uh, on the new 1040 form. Better dump yours. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a box that each taxpayer has to check oh, yeah, that right. says, I do not have cryptocurrency holdings or earnings to report wow. or anything like that. Oh, we so, could do a whole show on this because cryptocurrency is huge right now. I don't think your mic is going out again. I know know that. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Uh, We touched on it briefly in the past, but now it's becoming a bigger issue with the IRS where they have uh, issued new guidance on that in 2019. And it's been several years since they issued guidance on it uh, after, uh, you know, 
figuring out how it is reported and so forth, you know, to make sure that those items with crypto are getting onto uh, tax returns. Yeah, but what if you're doing it on the international scene? Just because you live here, you're making the money somewhere else. The U.S. tax code states that all income earned internationally is girl, taxable in girl, this country. You, you got it. Uncle Sugar is going to get his. <laughs> Uncle Sugar knows all, <laughs> exactly. whether it happened here or in Japan. Yeah, but to to your point, Mark, I mean, in, in both of you guys, I mean, cryptocurrencies, all of that stuff, you can make, you can pay now in some instances on an online purchase with cryptocurrencies. And so there's all kinds of bonuses and things like that. You just got to be very careful. Well, Yvonne, it's been a great pleasure to have you in. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me in. It's 2020 and uh, time for New Year's resolutions. That may in fact be tax. Yeah. And we're going to have you back on the cryptocurrency scene because I think that's actually something that a lot of people want to hear about. Guys, join us next time. And we appreciate Yvonne. Share this with friends and family. We would appreciate that. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.